Big L, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Hold on. You're seeing my behind the studio looks like we're back up and running good morning everybody welcome to the disaster recovery edition of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing i had a massive flip out for the last five minutes to myself so i'm all frothed up if you see the glistening that's because i'm sweating because i'm screaming at my computer like a madman up in here good morning everybody welcome to the stream do me a favor community members if you're uh, here in the new stream, in the new chat, give a shout out to the people over in the old chat and let them know what we're doing all up in here. The show must go on. Good morning. Welcome. It is Friday, January 26, 2024. This is episode number 500 and uh, 500 something. <laughs> I can't see because this is the DR edition. And I am your host, Dr. Jared Lozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Big L, Guru, Gangstar, Marcus Kyler, Jeff Watala, Amish Runaway, the whole mod team helping me get set back up. Episode number 443, the folks over on YouTube, the folks on LinkedIn, the long-timers like Omni Investments, the newcomers who we're yet to meet today, who are going to stumble into the disaster recovery edition of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, believe me, you're going to get massive value here. And by the way, just as a fun fact, congratulations, you've passed the first test of cybersecurity working through adversity continuing to persevere vigilance if you made it to the dr edition of the show you got you're, you're cut out for cyber because guess what it's a hot mess express but we keep marching forward super pumped super excited what's up all you yeeters all up in here great to have you bsec with his 7 30 meeting we'll see how much knowledge we can cram into uh <clears throat> the next 20 minutes Holla, holla, holla. Good thing I'm wearing a black shirt because you're not going to see the pit stains because I am sweating like a pig in heat right now. Woo! All right. Hey, want to say shout out to the stream sponsor. Start with my good friend Eric Taylor and the whole crew over at Barricade Cyber. Listen, Barricade Cyber is dedicated to helping businesses recover from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what? 
Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. We got a super chat coming in. Hot Rex for five spot. How many people does it take to troubleshoot a live stream? One with a PhD and a gaggle of mods. So much. Thank you so much. Holler at you. Shuttle Crab with a 12-month membership. Thanks so much, Shuttle Crab. Barricade Cyber getting some love. Also want to say shout out to my good friends over at Panopsi Security. Panopsi, get a partner who understands your cyber programs and your business goals. Whether you need to uh, execute a disaster recovery plan or develop a business continuity plan, guess what? Brandon Poole and his team at Panopsi can totally get you sorted out. And not just like crank out a ChatGP generic vanilla, oh, here's a DR plan, go for it. No, they can work with your business, understand your operations, your business impact, your critical processes, your resources, what is important and what matters, and more importantly, what does not matter and where do you not need to spend money Get with Panopsi Security and take your information security program to the next level, getting expertise and guidance from people who have dozens of years of experience helping businesses kick total All right. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon. We are eight business hours away from Anti-Siphon's active defense and cyber deception. There's still time. There's still time. But just know the window is closing quickly more about them at the mid-roll guys every single episode of the simply cyber daily cyber threat brief i do not prepare for and that's okay i just want you to know you're getting my rough rugged raw takes coming in hot riding low on a train bound for glory i want to let you know if you are a regular here hashtag team sc in chat i see you johnny five i see you kuda chimera all the regulars, hashtag Team SC, we are one community, and I personally genuinely appreciate you making the effort to get over here on the DR stream. There's going to be a lot of people who are confused today. The numbers are going to be low, and uh, hey, you know what? I might even ask you if you've got a hot second, take the, the new stream feed and drop it over on social media, L- put it in Discord, let people know uh, what we're doing here because, you know, it is what it is. All right. I want to say, hey, if you are here for the first time, drop a hashtag first timer in chat, please. Hashtag first timer in chat. We do love welcoming our first timers. Welcome to the party, pal. pal. We got a little special sound effect, a little special emote. We've got so much love for the newcomers. Hashtag first timer in chat. Thanks, James. Adekudo clicking like crazy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Marcus Kyler, I'm not sure if you heard. Uh, I did play Guru or Gangstar's Big L, rest in peace, that intro from full clip. <clears throat> I thought I know Boston Rob knows that one. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So if you are upgrading Jeff first time on the DR edition, judges, will we allow it? Yes, we'll allow it. Welcome to the party, everybody. Sade Mujar, hashtag first timer, all caps. Boom, baby. Welcome to the party, Sod. Good to see you. Hey, guys, each episode's worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat, grab a screen cap of it and file it away. It's as simple as that. If you hold professional certifications, that's what you need to do. Yeah, CJ, go back and listen. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. I, I might even do it one more time just for craps and giggles. 
All right, guys, do me a favor. Sit back, relax. We got to get to work. The coffee's almost out. It is uh, Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. So stay tuned for some hilarious laughs at the uh, mid-roll. Do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's do it. CJ, here we go. Big L, rest in peace. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Friday, January 26th, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Hewlett Packard Enterprise attacked through Microsoft 365 email system. The division, also known as HPE, has stated that alleged Russian-linked cyber espionage group Midnight Blizzard got in through its Microsoft Office 365 cloud-based email environment, where they collected information on the company's cybersecurity division. This is the same threat actor group that last week breached Microsoft itself, a story that is still reverberating. HPE discovered their intrusion in December. Their investigation showed that the attackers had been exfiltrating data since May of last year, accessing, quote, a small percentage of HPE mailboxes belonging to individuals in our cybersecurity, go-to market, business segments, and other functions, end quote. Study review. All right. <clears throat> so this is interesting. Uh, just to throw shade, it's not fair, but I hate HP products so much that Midnight Blizzard def definitely didn't breach HP using HP products. Um, uh, this is not a good look. Uh, obviously, HP Pack uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, big big player in the game. Uh, they said they went after their cybersecurity division. So I didn't realize HP Enterprise had a cyber division. But here's the deal. When we talk about advanced persistent threats and sophisticated threat actors, none are more, I don't want to say none are more sophisticated, but there is certainly a premier league, if you will, of APTs and sophisticated threat actors. The NSA, aka the equation group, the NSA at the, in the United States is absolutely in the premier league, but... In the United States, we actually uh, have policy and doctrine that says we won't abuse the abilities we have with the NSA to enrich the United States. It's really to like defend and protect national security. It's less to um, take out businesses and, and enterprises in other countries for our own national benefit, which is one key difference between what the U.S. does and um, other countries do. Now, Midnight Blizzard. Um, this is Microsoft's naming convention. If you see like a weather system, blizzard, storm, flood, typhoon, that is uh, Microsoft's naming convention. Now, I'm going to fully admit that I'm in incredibly biased right now because I love the Midnight, the band, and I'm, it, I'm trying as hard as I can to objectively see this as not that, but I am. So, damn. Um, when we talk about the Premier League of Advanced Threat Actors, Russia's APT28 Cozy Bear, they are premier. They are epic. They are top tier. APT29, excuse me. Um, they oftentimes work with APT28, uh, which would be the you know, sandworm. Um, and they, they combine each other for deep penetration of uh, corporate systems and uh, managing misinformation, disinformation. They've been in a HPE system for quite a while. 
the objectives and motivation is unknown. But what I will say is whenever you, here's my thing. When you see Cozy Bear or Fancy Bear involved, you, you your ears should perk up and you should be like, um, what's going on? Let's get into this. My heart goes out to the people at HPE. Um, if I had to guess, they've probably brought Mandian in at this point. Let me see if Mandian's in the news story. Uh, the word Mandian shows up twice in the news story, so I don't know where it is, but um, it's not good. You know, remember remember back a couple months ago, China uh, was able to breach and get golden tickets in uh, 0365 and move around. Um, it sounds like, I don't know if they were sharing intel with Russia. They are allies with each other, but Russia's breached into Microsoft. They've got into HPE through Office 365. All I could say is I would I would have to like a lot of people are using Office 365, right? For email. So what I would strongly encourage is if you are responsible for protecting an organization and you are using Office 365 again, which many of us are, I would absolutely dig into this story a little bit deeper and try to understand how they got in and if there is any um if there's any guidance from Microsoft on what to do again we are not going to be able to eliminate all risk of a threat actor attacking us and especially one as sophisticated and well funded and as you know deeply intelligent as cozy bear okay but we can certainly uh, limit the impact, make detection faster, so we can, uh, you know, activate IR and, and and basically get get these things sorted out. So, um, not a good look. This this, you know, what another thing that sucks, by the way. So, by the way, this is a good story. If you're looking to break in, um, this is germane to right now, and I would absolutely uh, get smart on this story because chances are, wherever you're interviewing is using Office 365. Uh, you could swap HP Packard Enterprise out for another Fortune 500 company, and that'll be just fine. Um, what? Hold on. What are we doing here? Hold on one second. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm getting stuff in chat here. Update my chat feed. What are we doing here? All right. So the IOCs are going to be hard. Uh, BSEC's letting me know that they're they're. Um, Cozy Bear is using proxy IP addresses. Again, this is what sophisticated threat actors look like. A lot of times we're just dealing with punks. You know, they like the low-hanging fruit, it works. So the, the cyber criminals don't need to up their game. But when you're dealing with advanced persistent threats like this, you need to. So anyways, TLDR, this is an important story and one that you should uh, be tracking. 18,000 exposed API secrets, including $20 million in vulnerable Stripe tokens. The oh, API oh, security oh, oh, platform oh. Escape on Wednesday. Hold on. Is this the chat? This is the chat from the other stream. Give me a second. Give me a second. I, I was not tracking. Hold on. Give me a second. Stand by. This is what DR looks like, okay? Doink. Hello. All right. Hey, by the way, can I just, since I took a pause here really quickly, can I just share with everybody? One year. Yay. All right. Hold on. One, just really quickly, since this is a hot mess express anyways. Um, there we are, Jerry. <laughs> I'm celebrating 
My one-year anniversary as a squad member. Yes! Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, mods. Appreciate it. Announced the results of its 2024 API Secret Sprawl research, which is based on its scanning and analysis of 1 million most popular domains at the beginning of 2024. Amongst its findings from the 189.5 million URLs from these domains were more than 18,000 exposed API secrets, 41% of which were deemed highly critical, meaning they could lead to significant financial costs for their organizations. These took the form of exposed financial tokens and API keys and included $20 million in vulnerable Stripe tokens. Also on this list were GitHub and GitLab tokens, RSA private keys, OpenAI keys, AWS tokens, Twitch secret keys, cryptocurrency exchange keys, X, formerly Twitter, tokens, and Slack and Discord webhooks. A link to the report is available in the show notes to this episode. I love it. I love it. Congratulations, Josh Mason, Josh Mason for 13 months. Forever, forever, I'll be looking at the back of Josh Mason uh, on the squad membership. Hey, guys, so API Sprawl, uh, this report is definitely interesting. Um, you can see 18,000 exposed API secrets. H here's the thing. APIs are um, application programming interfaces, and they basically allow uh, functionality to be tapped into um, from outside a system, right? So really quickly, say you have like a Google Mail, right? Yeah, you can log in through Google Mail, but you could also write a little script that reaches in and, and queries and say like you get an email from, from you know, whatever, Simply Cyber, right? You could have it pull and by querying the read API or whatever, and then once it detects a new email from Simply Cyber, it, it goes off and fires off something in Slack or whatever, whatever. This is the power of APIs. It allows extendability, integrations, automation, orchestration, the works, right? APIs are cool. Now, the thing is you can't see them. Sometimes developers write them and don't document them. Sometimes they write them, document them, and then, um, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? They deprecate them, which means that they write new API calls that are better, faster, stronger, more secure, but they don't, they don't sunset the existing ones. So APIs are a hot mess express and you can't really see them, but you can query for them and um, engage in them. I will tell you this. One, if you're running a, a business, tech startup, you got software, whatever, that has APIs, you definitely should be investigating them. Uh, two, and I mean this uh, with all my heart, if I was starting in industry today, and I wanted to go into the offensive security side of things, I would absolutely focus my energy and effort on API security. I just feel like it's it's not an untapped potential, but there's so many people doing web app stuff, OWASP top 10 and everything, but because of SaaS solutions and cloud and quick to market and let's throw ChatGPT on everything, because of all of that, there's massive amounts of API issues. And I just feel like you can deliver huge value, make big splashes, get, you know, get pub, um, and, and define yourself as the API person um, right now. I just feel like it's a really good golden time. Like, I feel like right now, APIs are all the rage, but we it, like industry hasn't caught up yet to like really harden those things. I mean, there is hardening and stuff like that, but it's just not there yet. Uh, I want to say Katie Paxton here, 
uh, or I think it's Katie Paxton Fear, uh, Insider PhD. She's got an API uh, like masterclass that I haven't taken, but I know Katie and she's excellent. So I think that's good. Um, Alyssa Knight is known for her API security stuff. I'm not sure if it's still um, uh, current or not, but uh, what's his face? TCM has an API security course on on TCM Academy, which I enrolled in, but like everybody else here, I enrolled in, but it didn't start. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to learn API security. I just think it's really cool. Let's go. Ukrainian energy, postal and transportation services hit by cyber attacks. A number of critical infrastructure companies suffered cyber attacks yesterday, including the state-owned oil and gas enterprise Naftogaz, whose website and call centers remain out of service at the time of this recording. Naftogaz supplies gas to 12 million Ukraine citizens and runs 60 subsidiaries. The country's postal service, Ukraposhta, also reported a cyber attack which disrupted some of its services. The agency responsible for transport safety, DSBT, also announced an attack on its data center which disrupted the system called Shlaya, used by drivers to cross the Ukrainian border or deliver cargo abroad. Also, Ukrainian state railway, Yuksara Liznitsia, noted an attack that prevented passengers in Kiev from buying train tickets online. It's currently not clear if these attacks are connected or who is behind them. All right. So, um, you know, whatever. I mean, this is this is another day. Uh, the assault on Ukraine from uh, Russia continues. Uh, this time attacking critical infrastructure. Like I said, I mean, Russia has been attacking Ukraine uh, in various ways, critical infrastructure since the beginning. Thank you, Kimberly. Since the beginning of um, the conflict, uh, now they're attacking energy, postal service, um, transportation, et cetera, banking. They, they attacked Monobank the other day. I uh, did a little bit of research. In Ukraine, they have two major banks. Monobank's one of them. A lot of the citizens have uh, bank accounts with both. Uh, almost from like a DR perspective. So when Monobank got hit, they kind of just shrugged and like started using the other bank. Um, I, I was like, literally, uh, I have access to a Ukrainian, um, not just a Ukrainian citizen, but someone who is um, like recently boots on the ground in Ukraine. Um, and and they're very, very kind to answer all of my questions. So incredible resource. But um you know, this this is just continuing. And this is another example um, of how cyber warfare looks, right? It's not it's not 1950s kinetic warfare with the big haymaker from the top rope. It is consistent, it is ongoing, it is relentless, and it just attacks all the things. Um, now I don't know if this was a denial of service attack. Um you know, websites not down, call centers are not operational. You would hope, like, you know, when Colonial Pipeline got hit in the United States, everything, everybody flipped out. This is Ukraine's largest state-owned oil and gas company. You would hope that citizens are not left out in the cold and have access to that energy. Uh, and you hope that um, they're able to get back up and running. Uh, this is really coordinated, by the way, like attacking energy, communications, and transportation all at the same time, that definitely is a psychological blow to the citizens of Ukraine and to the, the military of it. Um, you could see that uh, they say that they've restored payment processing service access to users' personal accounts and the APIs. 
APIs. That's what I'm saying. You got to get in there. Um, so yeah, file this away. Like it is a fascinating case study from a cyber war, you know, conflict. Um, in what it looks like manifested, what what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, unprecedented, unfortunately. UK water supplier Southern Water breached by Black Basta. The water company confirmed the attack after scans of passports, driver's licenses, HR-related material, and corporate car leasing documents related to the company were released on the gang's Tor leak site. The water utility, which serves 4.5 million customers in southern England, confirmed that normal operations have not been affected. InfoSecurity magazine notes that Jamie Akhtar, co-founder and CEO at CyberSmart, has suggested the breach could have been the result of a supply chain attack, given that some of the leaked documents bear the logo of Southern Water's parent company. Akhtar said, quote, this suggests that the breach could have happened through any number of Southern Water's subsidiaries or suppliers, end quote. All right, somebody get Justin Gold on line two. Our our uh, our uh, regional water reporter on on the ground. Another water utility company uh, hit here by Black Basta, uh, Mr. Boombastic, right? Black Basta hitting um, another you know utility. This is a ransomware threat actor. Black Basta is a tier one um, threat actor, tier one ransomware operator. If I'm not mistaken, they are a, 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 an offshoot or a splinter, a fork of Black Cat Alfie. Um, I know for a fact they are indiscriminate. They will hit, um, you know, they hit a publishing company in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, small business, you know, 75 employees. They hit Southern Water Utility. They will hit anyone. This is a perfect example of a threat actor that is just all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. They don't care. They don't care what your politics are. They don't care how much money you make. They don't care who your customers are. They don't care if you're critical infrastructure or you're just making baubles and widgets for, you know, um, you know, for, for, you know, for Tickle Me Elmo's. They will hit you right in the mouth and they want to get paid. It's their money and they want it now. It's not really their money. They're the criminals. Uh, Alana Boyajin with 60 months. Happy Friday. I'm late because I was chatting with Subro about managing cyber projects. At his new job. Love this community. I love the community too, Alana. And thank you so much for 16 months of squad membership. That blue badge looks good on you. Um, you know, in addition to ransom wearing these um, Southern Water Utility, obviously Black Boston likes to do data exfil as well. So they've got uh, passports, driver's license, HR information, corporate car leasing documents. Okay. <laughs> um. So to me, the TLDR here is, um, well, actually, this is interesting. The, the TLDR here is if you work for water utility, you absolutely need to elevate your risk profile. Um, like shields up, Captain, right? Like you need to go to battle stations or whatever. Like turn the lights down and turn the red ones on that, that do this thing. And, you know, everybody to their stations kind of thing. We're going to drop down to, um, you know, uh, a, a depth underwater for on a submarine. Uh, this is interesting, though. Southern Water replied on Twitter slash X um, publicly that, you know, there's no evidence the relationships or financial systems were affected. They say that customer data has been stolen. They will notify customers directly. Why I find this interesting is because 
they are responding publicly in a PR fashion uh, to the actual incident. This is a tough, uh, I mean, it, it seems obvious and easy, but it is really a tough decision. Who's allowed to speak on behalf of the impacted entity? What are they allowed to say? When are they allowed to say it? What should they not say? Are there any implications from the insurance company, which I know sounds ridiculous, but are there any implications from the insurance company on what you can say and not say? Is there anything from a GDPR perspective that you need to uh, follow and do within a certain time frame? So when you're doing your tabletop exercises, definitely, definitely, definitely bring in PR or social media or whoever and talk about when do you do these things and what do you say? Because um, you, you definitely don't want anybody, just anybody saying just anything um, when you're breached. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Conveyor, the security questionnaire automation software known for generating the most accurate AI answers to questionnaires, is launching a much requested feature. Conveyor's AI can now use uploaded security documents like a SOC 2 and security policy white papers to auto-generate precise answers to entire questionnaires in seconds. See why customers like Lucid and Carta are raving about the software and try the AI yourself in a free proof of concept at www.conveyor.com. That is C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com. All right. Hey, 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 all you beautiful people who made it to the DR show. We are executing in our DR mode. We slipped over to the hot site that we keep up and running to make sure if we ever need to, business can continue. I want to say thank you to all of you, the 390 of you beautiful people who made it here. For all the people who jumped on social media and shared links to the DR uh, stream, I genuinely appreciate it. We are a community. We are one big group of folks helping each other. And I genuinely, um, today specifically, really appreciate y'all helping me out. Thanks to the mods. I want to say thank you and shout out to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Panopsi and my good friends over at Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, seriously, listen up. This is critical because time is of the essence. Anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge, hands-on keyboard, uh, practical learning from industry experts in a way that lets you practice what is taught. And it's all regardless of financial position. James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet with five gifted subs. Thank you, James McQuiggan. Let's go ahead and get that uh, Oprah emote flow in there. Thanks, James. Guys, here's the deal. Starting Monday, January 29th, so just a few days away, John Strand, a legend in the industry and a phenomenal teacher, will be teaching active defense and cyber deception. I have taken this course. I have a video on the channel reviewing this course. This course is fantastic and absolutely worth your time. If you have the time and you want to learn and push yourself and grow professionally there's no reason you shouldn't take this you can take it for zero dollars use the link in the description below that takes you right to the registration page for active defense and cyber deception for next monday and get on this i don't know when he's going to be doing it again he does it a couple times a year kind of randomly get on it i'm telling you you're going to love it and if you really want to double down the first week of february john's back 
with sock core skills another amazing course and this one's really perfect if you're like kind of weak on the it side and you want to get that nice foundation and then build on top of it it's phenomenal by the way john's classes at least i can speak to the active defense and cyber deception it's not just nerd like nerding out all the time john also gives lectures around ethics application like theoretical concept of what you're doing and why you're doing it it's just a comprehensive kick-ass sorry kennedy course george strasberger with the super chats i mean with the uh, gifted subs thank you george strasberger guys i want to tell you about the simply cyber community challenge get some of this check it out y'all listen gorov shanhan has the uh baton i want to tell you if you would like to blow up your professional network on LinkedIn, do the following, all of you. Head over to LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and connect with the people posting and commenting on those posts. You will, for five minutes a day, blow up your network in a really great way in two weeks' time, believe me. Now, Gorov, if you can, tag somebody in chat. Gorov has the baton. One person a day gets the baton. Gorov, tag somebody. They'll have the baton if they accept it. We ask that the baton holder go on LinkedIn and share their story. Use the hashtag so people can find it. It's all about good times. Thank you so much, all of you. All right. Hey, it is Friday, which means it's Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan. James McQuiggan coming in hot with the jokes. Uh, here we go. And thank you to Simple Minds for playing the background. Guys, it was so cold this past weekend. I don't know if you know this. It was so cold this past weekend that James's computer froze. He had too many windows open. He just had too many windows open. <laughs> he also wants you to know, why did Jerry put his money in the freezer? Why did, he put, why did I put my money in the freezer? I'll tell you straight up, buddy. I wanted that cold, hard cash. Great cash I love it. I love it. I love it. Rex coming in with a tag team. What's the best way to catch a runaway robot? A botnet. Love it, love it, love it. And then finally, finally, uh, James McQuiggan wants to know, where does a snowman get the weather report? I don't know. Where does the snowman get the weather report? The winternet. Straight up on the winternet. <laughs> the Winformation Superhighway. Thank you so much, James McQuiggan. We love having you here uh, telling the jokes and Rex for the tag team. Let's get back to work, y'all. January update. Gems some Google Pixel phones. George Strasberger with a super chat. Can we just become best friends. Yep. Thanks so much, George. This is the one. Uh, this is one of the best security podcasts I've been here forever. Now getting the promotion to VC so soon. Thanks to the knowledge of the team. I came in like a yes, sir. We haven't played the wrecking ball in a second, and I am loving playing it. Thank you so much, George. And seriously, solid congratulations to you, man. Kick ass. Oh, sorry. Kick butt. Mm. Sorry, Kennedy. These problems were reported by users of many different models, including the Google Pixel 5, 6 and 6a, 7 and 7a, and 8 and 8 Pro. And the problems include the inability to access internal storage, open the camera, take screenshots, or even open apps. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, the root cause is unknown but is likely a software issue with the January 2024 Play System update that Google hasn't pinpointed or fixed yet, end quote. It is suggested that users who are still using the November 1 update stick with that for the time being.
Um, sorry. Hey, Google Pixel, if you're using it, uh, you probably already know that you can't access your photos. Yikes. Uh, what I would say is uh, I didn't listen to the story, unfortunately, because I was doing mod, mod chat. But um, if you are impacted, this sounds more like an individual problem. I don't know a lot of businesses. Um, actually, you know what? It is possible. I know like if you're a... Um, uh, like a housing inspector, a roofing inspector. There's a lot of businesses that when they do physical audits, they'll, they'll snap photos for evidence and support. Um, so this could be business impacting. I would say um, if you're running the Pixel, which by the way, if I did ever run Android, I would run a Google Pixel. Um, knowing what I know about Google and Android, I would simply imagine that they would be releasing a patch you gotta patch it and it will be fixed soon right um it says they're not sure why google isn't fixing it um i, I have to imagine that google is going to fix this uh sooner than later now obviously it sucks if you are impacted like on business operations hopefully you know again hey welcome to the dr episode i will say this i will say this if you are running a business where taking photos is part of the business critical processes, right? Like, like, like I said, I had my roof replaced last year. The guy's up on the roof taking all sorts of photos and snapping them and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, like if, if, if taking photos is part of your gig, you absolutely should buy some type of, you know, cheap, cheap camera, right? Like just like a, a point and click job, right? And just have it in the car, in, in the glove box, issue one to all of the people, right? You're not really ever going to use it, but in the instance you need it, business can continue. And by the way, that could be like a $40, $50 camera and boom, no problem ever. We're not expecting phones to break and phones not to work. But guys, it, here's the one thing. If you put all your eggs in a basket, like, oh, this is my internet and my communication device and my phone and my everything, right? If you put every all your eggs in one basket and you don't have a continuity plan to handle when crap goes sideways, well, I mean, unfortunately, you're going to figure it out. Um, and and I would say you might think like, oh, okay, like uh, I wouldn't think to do that. Well, the first time, the, oh my God, this is probably you know what this is. The more you know, gather around, gather around, ch uh, not children. You're definitely not children, but gather around, friends, and let me tell you, the more you know. This is an absolute, this is an absolute, like, do this, okay? Let's say you're impacted by this, okay? And you don't, you don't have cameras in everybody's glove box. Whenever you suffer some type of business impact incident, right? Like, like, like the show today, right? We had a plan B because this has happened before. If you didn't have the camera in the glovey, that's fine. But whenever you ever suffer some type of incident or impact of negative consequences at your business, you 100% should spend at least 30 minutes doing a lessons learned. What happened? How can we stop this from happening next time? How can we limit the impact next time? If you just resume operations, which a lot of people do, if you just get back up and running and keep on running full tilt back to the finish line, well, guess what? Next time it happens, you're going to get punched in the mouth again. You need to do lessons learned and wait for it. Process improvement. Hello, this is GRC 101. 
if you're if you're just freaking doing the same thing over and over again, guess what you can expect to happen? The same thing over and over again. So lessons learned, um, best practices, process improvement. Go look at the NIST cybersecurity framework and look all the way to the right on recovery. There are, in the recovery thing, it's not just about getting back up and running. It's about improving process in the overall workflow to make sure that crap doesn't happen again. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Watch for increasing sophistication from threat actors, says Experian. Experian's 11th annual data breach industry forecast includes six predictions that they suggest will cause even more excitement in the cybersecurity industry this year. In short, and in part, these include the extension of third-party vendor breaches to fourth, fifth, and even sixth-party breaches based on internal communications within the industry, also manipulating tiny bits of data such as transportation coordinates to cause chaos, attacks on supply chains for rare earth minerals, and insider activities such as learning stock market insights early to cash in through legitimate markets. A link to this report is also available in the show notes to this episode. UK. What? <laughs> Hold on. I, I, I'm, I am confused by this report. Um... So Experian does data breach reports. Experian suffered one of the biggest data breaches in history 11 years ago. So I guess I guess as part of their retribution, they've decided to um, do these annual reports to let people know what's up. Um, and this is basically, I mean, this is a little late because we're almost in February, but this feels like one of those prediction reports where they're telling us what we need to know um, in the future, six degrees. So here, let me, I'm just going to quickly run through these and give you hot takes on all of them. There's no question. Third-party data breaches have made headlines. Yes. Third-party, um, third-party risk is a real thing. I actually got interviewed by CSO magazine last week, uh, for an article about how to manage third-party risk. My GRC people, where are we at? This is where we live. Uh, definitely, definitely, you need to include third-party risk management as a serious area of interest. Um, let's see. Uh, little becomes a lot. That's kind of whatever. Um, not a third wheel. All right. So they're just saying like this, not a third wheel. They're just saying like other countries are getting in the game. It's not just Russia, China. Israel, United States. Here's the deal, guys. Um, here's the deal. All right. One of the interesting things about cybersecurity and the weapons that you can use in cybersecurity, you don't need to have a large population or a large military or a large workforce in order to have uh, a, a cyber military capability, right? It's code. You can copy and paste it. So a country like Ethiopia can just purchase from NSO group or from some, you know, like Lord of War type person who, who, who brokers in cyber weapons can just buy a weapon. And now all of a sudden Ethiopia is a first world cyber power, right? Now I'm being slightly playful here. I mean, they'd have one tool and one weapon, right? And, and, what do you do with it? Right. You always got to remember, it's always about actions on objectives, right? Like, so I could pop a box, but like, what's the point? Like, what, what am I trying to accomplish with that pop box? So 
Um, the scalability of cyber capabilities and cyber weapons moves much faster and much more fluidly than bullets and missiles and stuff like that. So anyways, if you're interested, check out this report. It's it's okay. Honestly, I would spend more time uh, looking at this Cozy Bear um, report. This seems more like important at, at the moment. Uh, ooh, I want to say really quickly, what's up, Cyber Eagle? And what's up, Kyle Dorfler? Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Let's get some John McLean in the hizzy for all these people. Welcome, welcome. Parcel company disables chatbot after it swears at customer. The parcel delivery company DPD, which has been using an AI-enabled chatbot for customer service successfully for years, is retooling its current automated service after frustrated customers essentially tricked it into making negative statements about the company, including in haiku form, as well as encouraging it to swear in its comments. <laughs> the outcomes of these activities naturally went viral on social media. These types of erroneous and often user-driven prompts are recognized as an ongoing risk in the early years of AI chatbots, as the BBC points out, stating, quote, it comes a month after a similar incident happened when a car dealership's chatbot agreed to sell a Chevrolet for a single dollar before the chat feature was removed, end quote. Um, okay, so if you missed last night's episode on Simply Cyber live my 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 long form thursday uh guest interview show tiberius amazing penetration tester web application hacker uh and really really cool content creator was my guest he was talking about uh some of these uh chatbots and and being able to kind of like trick them and stuff here is the reality people are running breakneck excuse me not people business people are running at a breakneck speed to slap AI on all the things, right? Great cash, homie. And when you stick a chat GPT API front end on something, guess what? Yet you, you, you are putting like, you're, you're adopting all the controls and, and uh, guardrails that whatever chat GPT has put in. So it is totally reasonable to do prompt injection and trick your chatbot into giving away information. I would say, yes, like having your chatbot on your website swear at customers, it's funny and it makes the news rounds and stuff like that, but it doesn't really impact business. This is, if anything, this is a harmless, um, okay, hold on. Let me give a speculative hot take. Let me get my tinfoil hat here. This is harmless. And if anything, this is actually probably good good marketing for DPD. I've never heard of DPD, but now I have. I don't even know what they do. They're delivery experts. Wouldn't have known that, right? Like really, like everybody knows it's not a human on the other end. So when it's swearing, it's funny because it's a it's it's technology and it's not supposed to do that. It's funny because it is unusual and it subverts expectations. It doesn't this DPD's business isn't going to go under. People aren't going to like I'm not shipping with DPD. The chatbot swore at me. No, right? Now, having said that, you got to be careful because if the chatbot has insider information, you you built, like maybe you trained your own, instead of using just straight chat GPT APIs, you train it on your own LLM or LLM and, um, and it knows insider information about your business. Well, now you might actually have an insider threat 
you may like basically have a glorified front end for a hacker to weaponize data collection on your business, right? Like what, what, you know, what, what are the salaries of the employees or what is the home address of the CFO or what, or what is the password? Right. So I don't know. Um, so anyways, uh, just be mindful of that, that like businesses are running breakneck speed to throw AI on everything because it's going to sell. And because business uh, consumers are wanting AI and stuff like that, but this is one of those risks. So I'd almost, I'd almost um, argue or suggest that you want to bookmark this story and just have it in your back pocket when you're at a project meeting or something like that. And you know, the innovate like like Dan the innovator, not Dan the automator. LOL, Dan the innovator is like, oh, we should we should totally do this chat bot thing. Like, just be like, yeah, we can do it, but be mindful of these type of things. How can we can control these risks? Microsoft launches immersive space called Mesh. Mesh. Although not directly a cybersecurity story, the release of a mixed reality platform from Microsoft represents another large step towards VR-based working environments, and working environments always need security. The Mesh environment is now being integrated into Teams business plans and allows people to gather and collaborate in a 3D world without the need for a VR headset. What? Remember to join us. For All right. <laughs> From the office of nobody asked for this, Microsoft Teams now supports 3D and VR meetings. All right. Um, what What are we doing here? Are we Are we are the corporate overlords who run in the like the shadowy cabal of CEOs from Fortune 500 companies? Do they want return to office, or are we getting VR and everybody can work remotely? For me, I am work remote. I don't think I'll ever go back to an office. But you know what? Um, 3D and VR meetings. Let's go. It, that's a functionality that no, like seriously, like no one asked for it. I don't know if it's going to improve. Meetings, like meetings are already like, I don't know, in my opinion, they're like, let's get something done, make a decision and move on. So they said you don't need hardware to run this. I'm not quite sure uh, what exactly that is. I would love to experiment with this. If anybody in chat has played with this um, and knows how it works, I'd be interested in that. I don't see, like, if you don't need a headset, I mean, are, are we going to be issued like green, green screen? wallpaper for our houses. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, 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 it's interesting. It's obviously fun, but I don't understand how the technology works. Uh, I personally would like to, uh, investigate this. Um, if I have, if I had time, but, oh, here we go. Let's look at a, let's look at a quick little, uh, graphic here. What are we doing? That's actually a, that's the team's client. So, okay, again, like who asked for this? Basically, instead of seeing a gallery of people's faces, it'll it'll put them in a room. So, so like, uh, so I'm in a meeting with like casually Joseph and Eric Taylor, and casually Joseph is like standing in a potted plant, looking at a wall, talking, not realizing that he's in a potted plant. Like, what are we doing? I I, I get it, but what are we doing here? Okay. So anyways, I am going to look into it. I, I can't wait to see some of the silly things people do with this. But uh, you do require a premium license to Teams, which I'm not going to be buying for any reason. So maybe I won't be able to experiment with it. 
I don't know if anyone knows Microsoft, maybe I could call them and be like, Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to, uh, demo your product and, uh, maybe go from there. I don't know. All right, let's, let's go. We're at, we're at time. Exactly. Nick Barker. All right, everybody. Holla, holla, holla. What a show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so very much. This was episode 543, I think, of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Um, guys, we got jaw jacking coming around in a hot second. Um, we do need a baton pass. Who would like to do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Please, one person volunteer. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Who's going to who's gonna pick it up? We got some first-timers in here. We got some long-timers in here. Marcio, Big Hay from Australia. I love it. Zachary Coddle. Coddle Zachary Coddle. Yes, sir. All right, guys. We got, a, we, got a, we got someone ready to take it. Listen, do me a solid, everybody. Have a great weekend. I We've all worked our butts off all week. You know you've been putting in the effort and the time. I genuinely appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know how valuable one hour is. And for being here, being part of the community, thanks for hooking up the DR. Congratulations to all of those especially the ones with promotions, certs. Thanks for the squad memberships. Big shout out to Deb Wigley. Hey, hey, real big shout out. Can we just do this really quickly for a hot minute? Before we switch over to jaw jacking, I want everybody to know this. Do, do, do. We got a big update. We got a big update for a community member. All right, y'all. Guess what? Zach Hill. Many of you know Zach Hill. Zach Hill is a phenomenal community member. I love myself some Zach Hill. Zach Hill announced yesterday on social media that he is officially the director of content and community at Black Hills Information Security. Love it, love it, love it. No drama. Uh, TC, he was with TCM. TCM, they love uh, Zach and, and are super pumped for Zach. This is what I'm talking about. It's all about good times. It's all about community. It's not about tearing someone down. It is about hooking them up and being happy for them when good things happen and being there for them to support them when crappy things happen. Zach Hill, congratulations. By the way, the fact that Zach now works at Black Hills Information Security is good for all of us because we all benefit from Black Hills being awesome. Go ahead and just check my ad read for Anti-Siphon Training, which is the training arm of Black Hills. Shout out to Zach. Shout out to all of us. Have a great weekend, everybody. If you want to do some jaw jacking, let's get into it. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, stay secure. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, Jerry Guy, just coming hot off the heels on a little DR Cybersecurity Daily Cyber Threat Brief. What's up, everybody? I'm super pumped. It's Friday. 
I'll try to contain myself, but it's going to be hard because it's freaking awesome. We're straight up crushing work. Good news coming from everywhere. Love it, love it, love it. Marcio's dropping knowledge here. I currently developed a strategy plan for mitigating risks in the cyber supply chain space. What can you quickly share about risk reduction for third-party suppliers? All right, Marcio, coming in hot with the first question of the day. Here is how you manage third-party risk. It is a multi-pronged approach. One, you got to have data governance. So what, like, like what are you allowed to put into third-party data and what is not allowed? You have to communicate to your end users and make them aware what is allowed and what is not allowed. In the absence of knowledge, people will make decisions that they think are appropriate, not malicious, not nefarious, just they don't know any better that you shouldn't be putting all the data in. Next, you've got to look at access control. If you're putting data over in the third party, who gets access to that data from your business and from your partners? If you can leverage federated authentication so when someone leaves, you can shut the access off at one point and make sure that it percolates all over the different cloud systems. Also, who has access at the customer or at the vendor side to your data sets? Is it is it protected? I don't know. More importantly, when you're setting up the contracts, make sure that you have clauses in there for the following two things. One, that you will get your data back when they're done with it. Two, they will delete the data when they when you're done with it. And three, bonus one, they are not allowed to sell or profit off your data. They'll turn around and sell that because data is the new gold. All right. Also, when you're thinking about um, third parties, sometimes they remote into your business. What are, are you giving them like internal full blown access accounts or are you giving them mitigated down contractor accounts that you have higher visibility on? Are you requiring them to have any security posture checking on their laptops? Dude, you could have EDR and the most secure baseline configurations of all the Windows machines in your environment. And then you got some yokel with a laptop walking in who has crap security. They're infected. You give them an insider account and hop on your internal network so they can do work and you've just screwed yourself. So you are you going to have posture checking? Are you going to require them are, to have EDR? Are you going to issue them a corporate laptop that is only authorized to operate on your network? That costs straight cash, uh, but it is a uh, it, it's a business decision. Do you want to invest in workforce computers in order for third parties to come on site and be able to do work? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you for that question. Here we go. What else we got here? Eric Taylor wanted to join Jaw Jacking. We could certainly do that, Eric, if you want. Oh, really quickly. Um, if you haven't done it yet, I do want to share this really quickly. Um, today's uh, vendor... Like, so the jaw jacking segments have a vendor sponsor post. If you go over to the discord, um, if you go over to the discord under the simply cyber, um, channel right here, category, there is a show support. And this is the link right here for the hyper identity security. I do review these and vet them before I put them here. The reason I want to tell you about this one, this is a initial report. They're going to be releasing a bigger report with more information. It's all around identity access and management. And what I wanted to tell you is identity act, IAM, basically, if you don't know about it, it is vitally important, especially in a zero trust architecture um, model. And this report, I you can click here to download it. I actually reviewed this report and there's a lot of really great nuggets, not just from uh, metrics and infographics and stuff, but also 
explaining key concepts and key terminology. So if you would like to learn more about identity and access, identity access management, then this report is worth your time and interesting. They actually have an example right here of um, the MGM Resorts hack and how IAM uh, was involved in that. So please go check out the link, uh, click on it, check out the report if you're interested in learning more about identity and access management. All right, I am I am uh, all frothed up. What do we got, 311 people? What's up, everyone? Let me go to mod chat really quickly. Doink. All right, oh my God. Uh, Jerry, can you be an ex-felon? Changed your life with empirical evidence and be a pen tester and work for NSA, CISA, Google, or am I wasting my time? I have 27 tech certs plus going to get pen test plus. All right. So occasionally this question comes up about um, being an, a, a, a convicted felon or an ex-con. Um, unfortunately, that is a very tough road to hoe or road to hoe. Uh, I would argue that what you need to do is network your face off and really try to um, get in through a side door. You need to get someone to take a chance on you. Unfortunately, there is a lot of bias if you go through the front door. And um, I, I don't know as far as NSA and things that would require security clearances. Let's see. We've got Eric Taylor in chat. Give me a second. I'll bring Eric Taylor in. Chat's going to come. How can we do this? Let me see if I can do this really quickly. Um, I Hold on. I see you, Eric. Give me a second. I want to see if we can do something fun here. Um, I don't think we can do something fun. That's okay. Let's do this really quickly. We got Eric Taylor coming in hot. Let me do this. We're going to get rid of our jaw jacking vibes and we're going to go, we're going to, we're going to go old school. What's up, Eric Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, uh, many of you know, my good friend, Eric Taylor, but we have Eric Taylor live in chat, Eric Taylor from barricade cyber. Also, many of you are probably squad members because of this man. What's up, Eric? How are you? Good, man. Good. Hopefully everybody's doing good. I want to answer on that, uh, that ex-felon. It really depends on um, the amount of time since the the crime has been, or I guess crime has been discharged and the level of security. I mean, I doubt that you may get a job at CIA, NSA, but I mean, I have heard rumor of them hiring people out of DEF CON. And some of those people do have some pretty questionable experiences in the past. So it, it it's a possibility. I guess if, if they want you bad enough, they'll make an exception. Right, exactly. Which is why um, I was saying, like, I 100% agree with you. And I think that um, that's why you need to get a side door. Like, someone needs to know how awesome you are. And then they will, they'll move mountains to get you in there, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Chris Young's loving the music. Love it. Eric, what do you think of this, uh, this story about, uh, the VR mesh, uh, Microsoft teams, uh, immersion experience. I'm, I'm all for it, man. Let's, let's try it out. I mean, I was, uh, making the comment in my chat that I really do. I took a look at the Apple one that's coming out and that price is just freaking crazy high. Um, so that was interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's just their next iteration because on a lot of the Teams meetings, you can actually do the theater room, if you will, where everybody's just up on kind of like a bench or on a little seat and you can look like you're all watching a movie or something like that or like you're the movie screen that's actually in there. Um, 
but yeah, it's, I guess it's just the next iteration, you know, as everybody wants to be, um, I guess connected more. And that's really the, the, the pivot point in a lot of the discussions that I see, at least in my industry with remote versus on site. So, you know, the, the collaboration and things of that nature for end users or for the team to be able to collaborate with each other in a meaningful way, um, outside of certain shooting new, uh, nerf balls at everybody that, you know, it's remote is a, a challenge for building, you know, uh, building a, a quality team that can collaborate together. Yeah. I mean, I could totally, I could totally see that. I mean, I've worked on some small teams and it is nice to have, um, you know, not an interface, but like see someone. I mean, if you have a long-standing relationship, a quick phone call, it's because you already have it, the visual model in your head of mm -hmm. like what they are and what they're doing. But I, I think it's interesting. We'll just see what it looks like in reality. I, I think the biggest problem with all of that, like especially Facebook and Metaverse, um, they kind of screwed the pooch. Like everything looks like a, a like a Nintendo Wii character. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like what are we doing here? Are we kids playing in a sandbox? Like we're, it's, if you want professional, like let's look professional. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it looks like I'll post it in my chat here in a second. Sorry, got sidetracked. No, that's yeah. all right. We got a question here, Chris Young. I passed my first Cyber Threat Intel cert this morning and saw a great entry level job opening for Intel analysts. Do you know any Intel people I can reach out to and ask for advice? First of all, congratulations on nailing that uh, cert exam. Way to go, bud. Uh, as far as threat Intel people go, uh, I have a video. For, by the way, I've decided I'm going to get a bright red shirt with bright white font that says I have a video for that. And I'm just going to wear it around. Okay. So I have a video for that. Go check out my video uh, with Samuel uh, Clemens uh, on uh, everything you want to know about being a threat Intel analyst. Um, Jax Scott. I believe has threat Intel experience. Mm -hmm. um, Eric, what, what would you say to someone wanting to know more about threat Intel? I would just say subscribe to as much feeds as you can. You know, I mean, that's what we do. We do a lot of threat Intel, um, especially from CrowdStrike and some of the other uh, threat feeds, just to make sure that we're staying up to date on the latest stuff when we're doing our threat hunting. Um, granted most of our most of the time we're coming in after the explosions already happened so we got to find out where they went but it's the same thing so and some of them do have community additions you may not get the most latest greatest stuff on an instantaneous format but um within a couple of days you can get you know some of the latest stuff I'm definitely checking out alien vault yeah, I'm going to drop a link. Um, this is actually in my Cyber 101 course. Uh, here, let me... <clears throat> give me one second. This is in my Cyber 101 course. Um, can you see this? Or hold on one second. Uh, this is called... Uh, this is Microsoft Cyber Threat Intel. Mm. Uh, I'll drop this in chat for everybody. But like, this is a you know kind of a threat feed from Cyber. I mean, from Cyber. From Microsoft. You can see here's that Microsoft Blizzard story we just covered. Um, this is a pretty good resource. And Microsoft... You got to remember, like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, those three entities, they have such a footprint globally that their threat intel is super, super informed, right? Um, obviously, uh, larger security companies like FireEye, um, Cisco, Palo Alto, they also have like pretty good threat intel feeds because it's all about the te telemetry that you have um, to make it effective. Oh, I see uh, Wade Wells is in chat. 
Is he waiting through logs? Very cool. Oh, hey, so let's share this really quickly. Um, this is really, really cool. Uh, let me let me share this on screen really quickly. Eric, you want to tell us about... Hold on one second. Uh, do, do, do. Here. Eric, you want to tell us about this while I get it up and uh, running? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So those who have been following us, you know, we've... My middle child, Hunter, has gone through... Um, a heart transplant after having four hearts open heart surgeries um, we had some major major complications we're still going through some of the the final steps just to see if we do have a viable heart but we uh, there is a local no uh, this ain't the shirt that we put out through bonfire it really has two two sides of it where one you know if you want to help show you know love support and you know it really does boost hunter up when he does see people posting images of of that and saying you know hashtag hunter strong on social media you know we kind of show that to them um and that definitely boosts them up but it also most importantly like all the proceeds and everything we don't get it like my family doesn't we're thankfully very blessed and financially stable that we don't we're not looking this for money but you know gerald you know this being working for MUC and being in the charleston area but a lot of families come here from all over the southeast to musc children's hospital and there's a ronald mcdonald house very close by so people who have to literally uproot their lives to so that way they can spend fam, uh, time with their their sick loved ones and stuff like that everything here goes to the charleston's ronald mcdonald house so it helps support them you know providing food providing electricity you know you know just the, the stability of everything at the Ronald McDonald House locally. So, you know, Bonfire sends it directly to them, and it, it's really a great way to help out a community. That's awesome. And I've dropped a link in chat if you would like to support this cause. Uh, they have multiple colors. Like, I think these shirts look pretty cool. Um, I, I'm going to be getting either the blue one or the green one. I'm, I'm very partial to the, the blue one. Blue uh, is Hunter's is favorite color. So, what's that? Blue is Hunter's favorite color. There you go. I love it. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, I've been following. I haven't been probing you for updates, Eric, but uh, anytime there is an update on social media, I appreciate you sharing that with the greater audience. There's a lot of people who are uh, invested in, in really, you know, su supporting and, and championing Hunter. And uh, it's great to get those updates and see um, all, all the, uh, the, the wonderful progress that Hunter's been having. Yeah, we got definitely got a long road ahead of us, so I definitely appreciate the people reaching out. Um, you know, the updates will be a little bit slower as we're doing individual baby steps on the on the recovery aspect. Um, but I've seen two questions come in. Yes, he is still at the Children's Hospital. He will be for at least another two or three months, if not a little bit longer. Yeah, as long as it takes. Yep. Christina Paulica, family loves volunteering at the Ronald McDonald House. Her mom still collects soda taps to donate to the Ronald McDonald House because they recycle it for cash donations. Very nice, Christina. That's awesome. It is good. I, I like, you know, I guess it's always kind of funny the direction jaw jacking goes, but um, I have, uh, you know, one degree of separation from Ronald McDonald House. One of my, one of my closest friends, um, his, his third child um, was born at 21 weeks. Mm. Uh, which, which if, if you don't have kids and you didn't know this, like a full term is 40 weeks. So 21 weeks is like halfway, halfway. like 21 weeks is when they figure out the gender, the, the baby's eyelids had just formed. Like that's, and, and the baby was born and uh baby was in, uh, Nick for like six months. I mean, they, like she's, she's like five now and she's like fully, everything's awesome. 
But, uh, you know, he like lived at Ronald McDonald house cause they had like a four hour drive or something like that. Or, uh, not, excuse me. He didn't, he, his, his wife did cause she had to nurse, um, mm. on the regular. So anyways, Ronald McDonald house, wonderful, um, organization and, uh, definitely, definitely a very cool uh, opportunity. So let's keep rolling here. Uh, we got some questions. Uh, Marcio, who probably uh, dipped out already because he's in Australia and it's wicked late there, talking about intel agencies using psych tests in the recruiting to identify if a new employee is risky. What are your thoughts on this? And you ever got a psych test to see if uh, you, you know you're legit or not? No, I haven't. Not since I've been out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, I, I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like. In private business, you are entitled to hire whoever you want, right? But at some point, there is a, I, I guess you, you often, like, if you say, hey, we're going to do a psyche eval on you as part of the hiring process. If you don't like that, you don't have to take the job. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, I guess if it's not illegal, you can't be like, hey, like, we're going to open hand slap you in the face. That's part of the hiring process. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just abuse a candidate because they want a job. You can't, you can't exploit your position of power. Which, which, which people do 